Hello everyone and welcome back to Local Legends with Lark Farley. I'm your host, Lark. A little bit about the podcast if you're new. Basically, I share with you all stories that took place in my small hometown, Brown County, in Indiana. These stories range from true crime to the paranormal and everywhere in between. If you'd like to share your own hometown stories, you can email me at locallegendswithlark at gmail.com. As always, all the articles used in today's episode are linked in the description should you want to check them out for yourself. Welcome, everybody, to the last episode of the best month of the year. That's right, folks, October. I'm here for the spooks. I'm here for the goblins. I'm here for the scary ghosts. I'm here for all of it, and I love it so much. Today's episode is we're going out with a bang. We're going to be talking about, as you probably guess from the title, werewolves in Brown County. Now, if you know me, or maybe you don't because you're new. I love werewolves, okay? I'm going to be first to admit it. You know, I'm a monster fiend. I'm here again for the spooks. Every day in October, I watch a scary movie a day. It's 31 days of October. That's how obsessed I am with scary movies. And I'm a particular fan of good old Mr. Werewolf. You know, Bigfoot takes second place in my heart. Werewolves are number one. Now, I had mentioned, I believe last week, that I really love werewolf movies. And some of you asked me to give my top five favorite werewolf movies. So before we get into today's episode and talk about the story and the history of werewolves, I'm going to give you my top five favorite werewolf movies of all time. So starting with number one, which is controversial and an unpopular maybe opinion. My number one favorite werewolf movie and favorite werewolf transformation is Company of Wolves. Now, Company of Wolves, I want you to understand that this is not a horror movie, okay? I know, unfortunate. It's like Labyrinth, but replace David Bowie with a werewolf and not a lot of music. But you know what? The same type of vibe. It's fun and I love the werewolf transformation. I'm here for velvet capes. It's beautiful. It's by the director of Interview with a Vampire and I love him and I love his film, so highly recommend it. Number two, The Howling, of course, a classic. We stand 80s werewolf movies, okay? That might have been the epitome of the perfect werewolf film is in the 80s. There were some real bangers. So number two, like I said, The Howling. Number three, no surprise here, guys, American Werewolf in London. Because obviously I am a big fan of practical effects. And is there a better movie for practical effects other than American Werewolf in London? Probably not. Although you could argue that The Fly has the best practical effects of any movie ever. But, you know, we're not going to get into that. Number four, for my 90s girlies, Ginger Snaps a perfect werewolf film. And I will fight people on this. It is beautiful. It is lovely. Uh, We got sisters. We have sister werewolves. We got fights. We got amazing red hair with two beautifully whitened money pieces. Just like, it's like 
a 90s music video. That's how perfect it is. So if you like the 90s, you like the fashion, you're here for like the nostalgia, highly recommend Ginger Snaps. Number five, and this one is just a kooky wooky film that may or may not have like werewolves in the walls of a house, and that is Dog Soldiers. So there you go. Those are my top five picks for werewolf movies. Highly recommend them all. They're they're all good for different reasons, and they're gonna make for a fun watch. All right, let's break it down though and, and move away from the werewolf movies and more on to today's episode, which is about werewolves in Brown County, like I've stated before. Now, if you're like me, you are kind of interested in the history of things. And let me tell you, as a werewolf connoisseur, I had some questions. And so I thought before we jump into the tale itself... We could kind of, you know, look at those questions and break them down together because maybe you have similar questions about werewolves that I had. I thought we could start by giving a brief background, and I mean brief. So for all my ADHD girls out there, this one's for you. I'm not about to sit here and make this a 10-hour episode going through every little detail about werewolf lore. I'm not going to do that. We're talking brief. If you want a full history breakdown, detailed breakdown about werewolves and where they came from in the history and iconography, you can look that up, okay? I'm doing a brief background on werewolves. As I was just kind of, like I stated, curious as like when the first mention of werewolves was made. And then, where in the U.S. sightings of werewolves are reported? Because Brown County is in Indiana, and Indiana is in the U.S. So, you know, I'm more familiar with the European representation of werewolves and, like, lore there. That's kind of where I assumed Mr. Werewolf lived, you know, and, like, was... So now we're talking about U.S. When did that all start? Okay, so let's look at the brief history, starting with what is a werewolf. A werewolf is a human with the ability to shapeshift into a wolf, typically after having been afflicted by a curse or a bite from another werewolf. Now, the transformation from man to wolf takes place under the full moon, and the earliest example of a werewolf dates to 2100 BC and is found in the Epic of Gilgamesh. So, werewolves been around for a while. He is not a new creation, okay? Werewolves have been around since the dawn of, of mankind. They're old, which I uh, kind of assumed, but I didn't realize they were that old. 2100 BC is, like, pretty old. So moving on from that, okay, now let's look at, all right, so 2100 BC is when they were first mentioned in this epic of Gilgamesh. Now let's look at U.S. When did they start getting reported sightings of werewolves? And like, what's that all about? So in 1991, there were multiple reports made in a small town of Walworth County, Wisconsin, of what can only be described as a werewolf. The reports were so descriptive and there were so many made that they dubbed the creature the Beast of Bray Road. That's a lot of bees. The Beast of Bray Road. Now, while most of the sightings and history of werewolves is focused in France, Germany, and England, in the U.S., there continues to be sightings of a wolf-like beast that walks on two legs, and one of those stories takes place in Brown County, Indiana. So that's what we're going to get into today and right now is, uh, what happened in Brown County and is it a werewolf? Like I kind of previously stated, uh, this story was sent to me. I do not know who this person is. And none of us need to know. They want to share their story. And by God, we're going to share it. 
So, according to them, they say, my brother and I went on a fishing trip to Lake Monroe. Now, (laughs) I'm going to pause. What do we know about Lake Monroe? Well, Lake Monroe is the hot spot and epitome of bestiology lore in Brown County. If you want a paranormal sighting of some sort, be it ghosts, be it uh, Bigfoot, be it uh, probably swamp creatures, uh, be it and apparently a werewolves, then you need to go to Lake Monroe. There's also, uh, we covered an episode where there were sharks in Lake Monroe and piranhas. And so like, if you're just like into weirdness and want to experience weirdness and possibly be in danger and then possibly die, you should go to Lake Monroe because there's a 99% chance that you're going to experience something. And that's where our story takes place today. Are we surprised? No. So according to this person, they said, we have been there many times and are very familiar with the area. We left on a Friday morning and arrived at Lake Monroe in the late afternoon. Now we brought with us a John boat, which my butt had to look up because I do not know what that means. Like, what is a John boat? (laughs) Is it only for people with the name John? Uh, No. So a John boat is a flat bottom boat with a bench seat and it rides over the waves instead of cutting through them and is used specifically for fishing and hunting. So the more you know. I would highly recommend looking up a picture of it because that way you can like set it in your mind. So they had the John boat with them, two guns, a .38 revolver and a .22 lever action rifle and some firewood. We didn't bring much food as we thought we would just eat the fish that we caught. We loaded everything into the boat and set off across the lake as it was beginning to get dark. The only light we had at the time was a flashlight and a boat light. After being on the water for about an hour, we found a small cove. We unloaded the boat and set up our camp in the cove. We got a fire going and started to fish as we were getting hungry. Now, after a few minutes, we realized that there was no sound around us. No crickets or spring peepers or whippoorwills. Nothing. Absolute silence. Which, another pause, that's very odd because Lake Monroe has a plethora of, like, wild animals and wildlife. So, birds and spring peepers are frogs, if you're not familiar with the area or terrain. There's just, like, a lot of noise and a lot of commotion. Like, it's a very, like, active wildlife hotspot. So, I've never personally been out on Lake Monroe and ever experienced it being silent. It's a pretty loud area because there's so much wildlife. So, I felt like that's a little odd, that there was, like, complete and utter silence. It's just a little spooky. So they said, I also wasn't getting any bites from fish on my fishing line. We gave up fishing and walked back to camp. We both thought it odd how eerily quiet it was, and then we heard it. In the distance, a howl that was becoming louder as whatever it was was making its way towards us through the woods. As a howl grew in volume, me and my brother froze in fear. At first, we thought it had to be a coyote and tried to shrug it off, both of us deciding to try and get to sleep in our tent. However, we both laid down with our guns in our hands as whatever it was was continuing to howl and get closer to our tent. Nope, I'm out. I would be in that John boat and back at the truck at the boat docks, point blank, period. I'm not messing around with whatever can howl. You know, it could be a person, which is horrific. It could be a coyote. It could be um, wolves. No, I'm out. I'm done. I'm done and I'm out. Now, the next morning, we woke up and decided to scout around and see if we could find any footprints from whatever it was that was howling. We ventured about 500 yards from our campsite and found a small coyote that had been killed. Now, when we say killed, we mean it. It was ripped to shreds about two feet away from the trail. My brother and I were stumped on what kind of animal could have done that. Whatever it was didn't eat the coyote. It just ripped it apart and left its corpse there. Remember when I said I'm out? 
Okay, now I'd really be out. Like, if for some bizarre reason I, like, passed out and, like, had to stay the night there, wake up in the morning and find a massacred corpse of a coyote that was clearly killed for sport, definitely out. You don't mess around. You don't mess around and find out. You know what I'm saying? Like, you leave. You leave and say, goodbye. I'm out. Have fun. Now, they went back to their camp and decided to try and see if they could text their father to see if they had, if he had any idea on what could have done that to the coyote. He didn't have any idea other than a mountain lion, but if it was a mountain lion, it seems odd that it wouldn't have at least tried to eat the coyote as the coyote had been absolutely obliterated. So whatever had killed this coyote had, like, destroyed it, like, shredded it so badly that it was hard to even determine that it was a coyote in the first place, which is just, like, odd behavior. Because typically, mountain lions, at least that I have heard, when they kill something, it's pretty easy to determine that it was a mountain lion that was a culprit because they, they will take the corpse of whatever it is they've killed and put it up in the trees, right? Because they don't want other scavengers to get access to their kill, their prey. So they will put it up in the trees. So if you're ever walking in the woods and you find a deer in a tree, you should run because this probably means the mountain lion's nearby. You know what I'm saying? Like a lot of predatory animals are very territorial over the animals that they kill and they typically don't kill for sport. They they kill because it's a necessity, right? They're wanting to eat it. That's their food. That's their resource. So the fact that whatever this was completely obliterated this coyote is is odd behavior. Now, this could be like a sick animal or or something. But if it was sick, it would still eat it. I don't know. It's just very odd. Very bizarre. So they decided to stay one more night. You guys are braver than I am. To see if we could get any fish or whatever the creature was would show itself. We went out on the boat to try our luck out on the lake rather than the cove and made our way to a nearby rock face. We started catching fish almost immediately near the rocks until the sun started to set and we started back to our camp. By the time we reached our camp, it was dark and once again the surrounding area was completely and utterly quiet and still. We started towards our tent when we saw that our campsite had been destroyed. Our tent had been shredded to pieces and all of our things had been strewn about everywhere. That's the moment both me and my brother became scared and realized that we needed to get out. We thought someone was messing with us and going through our things trying to steal things. So we grabbed our guns and got into our boat to leave, not taking anything other than our guns with us. As we made our way to the boat, we heard a deep gurgling growl out in the distance. As we got to the boat, my brother grabs the flashlight and points it towards the camp to see if we could see what or who it was that made that gurgling growling sound. The light of the flashlight reveals a pair of yellow glowing eyes. We both started shaking and started to quickly run and get prepared to set off in the boat and get away from those eyes. As we hurriedly took off, we looked back and the eyes were gone. That's so scary! That's so scary! Oh no! What do we know from horror movies? Yellow eyes mean death, okay? You see those yellow glowing eyes and it's over. It's done. That's so, so scary! Can you imagine? No. Absolutely not. So they got about 20 yards away out in the lake on the boat. And when they use the light of the flashlight to scan out on the water. And as I'm scanning, the yellow eyes appear again. We were scared at this point, And as we started going further away, the eyes appeared closer to the water's edge. If we hadn't have seen what we did, we never would have believed it. Those yellow eyes belong to what can only be described as a wolf. It walked to the water's edge on all fours, and then when it reached the edge of the water, stood up on its hind legs, which it standing on its hind legs, the wolf stood about six feet tall. When it saw that we were out on the water and not accessible to it, like the wolf couldn't reach it, reach them, 
too far from it to get to us, it let out a terrible, haunting howl. What was even scarier, though, is that the wolf had a piece of our tent in its mouth. I pushed my brother out of the way and cranked the throttle on the boat to high, trying to get as far away as possible from that terrible beast as we could. We got back to the boat ramp and got our boat loaded onto the trailer and got out of there as fast as we could. Me and my brother never talked about our experiences to anyone. I am in my 30s now and still frightened by what we saw that night by the lake. I haven't been back to Lake Monroe since and probably never will. I warn anyone that goes to that area to do so with caution and never go out on Lake Monroe after dark. Oh, my God, I would have, I just think I would have passed out and died. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, sometimes fear takes over and, you know, it's like fight or flight. I wouldn't have had either. I would have had freeze and die. You know what I'm saying? Like, are you kidding me? It's so scary. You know, I am not a big camping girly. I'll be the first to admit it. And now I feel justified in my non-camping wants and desires. Like, I'm like, no. What if I'm going camping out on a lake and get brutalized by a werewolf? That's just not the way I want to go. You know what I'm saying? Like, no. Mm-mm. Mm-mm-mm-mm. It's so scary. And I'm so happy that this person got out of that situation safely, that them and their brother made it, and are still alive today to tell the tale. I just, I have so much thoughts because... Apparently, other people have experienced similar circumstances, maybe not to this degree in terms of, like, seeing a werewolf, because these people, like, saw it. Like, they saw a wolf come to the edge of the water, see that they were in the water too far away, and it got mad, stood up on its hind legs, which it was almost six feet tall on its hind legs, which means it was, like, a big wolf. And was angry that they, that it couldn't kill them. You know what I'm saying? That's so scary. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. No, thank you. Now, I will say, the perfect place for a werewolf, Bigfoot, would be Lake Monroe. Because it's kind of like a nature conservatory place. Like, you know, there's not a lot of hunting in that area. Like, the Lake Monroe Inlet that these people went to has a lot of islands that you can go to easily by a boat. It's very remote is what I'm trying to get at. And so there's not phone service out there, right? There's not GPS mapping out there. You kind of have to go out there knowing exactly where you're going and be super familiar with the area, which is also why I believe this person's story is like, it's clear to me that these people were aware of the area. They knew where to go. They'd been there multiple times before, had never experienced anything like this. And were obviously so frightened, rightly so, by their experience that they never went back there ever again. Like, that is is so scary, and I don't blame them a bit. Like, absolutely not. If I experienced something like that, I'd be like, ha, never going in the woods ever. Trees, I don't know what they are. You know what I'm saying? Like, nope, I'm not doing it. So that is our episode for October. It's such a scary one, and I'm so happy I was able to share it with you guys. What a scary tale. Werewolves are no joke. If you have similar werewolf stories, please share them with me. Werewolves, like I said, are my favorite, and I I truly find them terrifying, just the concept and the thought. Next episode will be a, another case. It's scary and terrifying, but in, an, in another way because it involves people, and it's another tale of animal cruelty. Now, the second episode I ever did on this podcast was The Bovine Butcher about a unknown person that was killing um, a farmer's cows. This tale is called A Barn of Terror, and 
It is a barn of horrors, that is for sure. It is truly horrific what people are capable of and the cruelty that they'll go and administer onto animals. So we're going to be covering that. Uh, So if you're interested in that, check in next time. And in the meantime, like I always say here on the podcast, stay safe, stay hydrated, and I'll talk to you next time. Happy Halloween, y'all! Bye!